I invite you to turn with me to Galatians and chapter 2. Galatians in chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. The Apostle Paul is writing here, and he tells us here that uh, then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas. And also took Titus with me. Now, I am hoping that you will remember the last time that we were dealing with uh, this passage. Uh, The Apostle Paul, in chapter 1, by the time he comes to the end of chapter 1, he is reminding his hearers of the three important things that happened in his life. The first thing that he told them, if you will recall, is that the gospel that he was preaching was unique. It was the most unique message that has ever been given to human beings. And then secondly, you will remember he spent some time reminding his hearers about the source of his apostleship. In fact, if you look in chapter 1 and verse 1, he says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. That secondly, he was concerned to let them know that he became an apostle purely by God's doing. And then thirdly, he was concerned to let the people know that the gospel that he was preaching, he did not learn it from the other apostles or from anybody else. He learned that gospel by a direct revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you recall how the apostle again and again refers to the time that he encountered the risen Christ when he was on his road to Damascus. That he met face to face with the Lord Jesus. And it is the Lord Jesus himself who taught the apostle the message of the gospel. And then he tells us there that as soon as he got converted, he did have an opportunity to go to Jerusalem. And he was there for a period of two weeks. And in that period, he got acquainted with the apostle Peter. Then, when we now come into chapter 2, he tells us of that second visit that he made back to the Jerusalem church. And he tells us that it is something that happened 14 years later. And in that time period, the Apostle Paul had become 
an evangelist. He had become a missionary. He was the one that God was using to spread the gospel in the Gentile world. He tells us then, after 14 years, he went back to Jerusalem, and this time around, he went with Barnabas and with Titus. And he went because, he tells us in verse 2, there was a revelation from God that he needed to go back to Jerusalem to see the apostles. And he went there so that he could lay before the leaders in Jerusalem, the apostles in Jerusalem, to explain to them, to show them the kind of gospel that he had been preaching among the Gentiles. And the reason, obviously, is uh, simple. In fact, that's the reason why he's writing Galatians, is because after the apostle Paul had become a successful missionary, the one whom God was using to proclaim the message of the gospel, there was a group of Jews that was, if you like, now beginning to go after the Apostle Paul and, and beginning to question what he was doing. And they, they, they were you know, basically saying to those Gentile Christians that they really you know, were not up to scratch. If, if they really wanted to be true Christians, you know, then they, they needed this extra step that they, they would need, first of all, to be circumcised. And, and then they would be regarded as true Christians. This sort of thing was happening. And, and, and the Lord spoke or revealed to the Apostle Paul that they needed to address this matter. And one of the ways in which he was going to address it is by the Apostle Paul himself going to Jerusalem. And that's where we find him in chapter 2 and in verse 2. He tells us why he went with, um, with uh, uh, Barnabas and Titus back to Jerusalem. He went, he tells us, by revelation. And then when he arrived there, he laid before uh, these individuals and tells us privately to those who were of reputation, lest by any means I might have run or had run in vain. So he, he basically wanted to exchange notes with the apostles in Jerusalem. He shared with them the gospel he had been preaching, the gospel that he had received by direct revelation from the Lord Jesus Christ, and they began to have that uh, sort of uh, exchange. Now, while he is telling us those things, he he quickly mentions a fact that is uh, extremely important in verse 3. He says there that yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And and this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour that the truth of the gospel 
might uh, continue. And uh, the point there that the Apostle Paul is making is that uh, when he went to Jerusalem, obviously Barnabas was uh, a Jew, but he brought this man, Titus, who was uh, a Gentile, but he tells us that even though uh, Titus was uh, a Gentile, but just because he was a Christian, the Apostle Paul and those with him refused to have him circumcised before he could be admitted into the Jerusalem church. And the reason he did that is because he wanted the truth of the gospel to be so clearly established because there still were these individuals who kept insisting that uh, if you are a Gentile, if you truly wanted to be a real, true, accepted Christians in their eyes, you needed to submit to circumcision. In other words, they were basically saying, in order for you to become a Christian, you have to become a Jew. And the Apostle Paul, including all the apostles in Jerusalem, rejected that kind of teaching. And that is why they said, no, there is no need for a brother like Titus who has been saved by grace, who has been accepted by the Lord Jesus Christ for him to submit to this kind of bondage. This is something that is completely fallen off as a result of the death of, and, and resurrection of Christ our Savior. Therefore, they did not give in to this kind of demand because they wanted the truth of the gospel to stand. Now, what is interesting is that uh, after this meeting that the Apostle Paul had with the other apostles in Jerusalem, the conclusion of it was that the apostles in Jerusalem could see very clearly, just as the Apostle Paul himself and those with him could see very clearly that the gospel that they believed and the gospel that they were teaching was exactly the same. And that's very important for us to understand. The Apostle Peter and all the other apostles in Jerusalem, the Apostle Paul with Barnabas and those with him, when they exchanged notes, they found out that what they were preaching was in fact exactly the same. It says there on verse 7, if you want to follow there, on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me, as the gospel for the circumcised was to Peter, for he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also worked effectively in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand 
of fellowship, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. That's the reason why the Apostle Paul went to Jerusalem. It is to clarify that there is only one gospel. That there is not a gospel for the Jews and another for the Gentiles. Or if you want to bring it in our own day, that there is not a one gospel for Europeans and another for black people. That there is only one true gospel. And that gospel is the gospel of grace. It is a gospel which saves those who are utterly undeserved and those who are ill-deserved. And it finds them like that and freely loves them and saves them. That is the gospel that the Bible teaches. And the Apostle Paul was concerned, this is why he went back to Jerusalem, to make sure that there is not a different gospel going to the Jews and another going to the Gentiles, but that the gospel that God has been pleased to reveal is that one gospel of our blessed Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then secondly, not only is it a gospel that is by grace alone, it is a gospel that is centered in the person and work of our Redeemer and Savior, Jesus Christ. So that when we come to be saved, we must, like we sing in that particular hymn, nothing in my hand I bring. We cannot bring our own efforts. We cannot bring anything that we can add to what God in his grace has done in the person and work of his dear son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then thirdly, that this particular gospel is one that is received by faith alone. So it is a gospel of grace alone, through Christ alone, and through faith alone. And if you are a very good student of history, you will notice that this is what actually came from the Reformation. This is what was rediscovered from the Reformation in the 16th and 17th century that men began to see that the gospel, the salvation that God has brought to us is one that he gives freely by his grace. It is one that is in Christ alone and it is received by faith alone. And of course they added the other two solas. It is in scripture alone and for the glory of God alone. But this is exactly why the apostle came to Jerusalem. Because they've been 
these people who were coming after him, and they were all professing Christians, uh, and they were all Jews, were coming from Jerusalem and going through all the places the Apostle Paul had been, and it appears that they were most successful in Galatia. That is why the Apostle Paul wrote this letter. He wanted to set the record straight. That there is only one gospel. And the gospel of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. And it is the gospel of grace through Christ alone and received by faith alone. But perhaps the main reason why I wanted to share with you today is uh, what we find in verse 11 and following. The Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter had this difficulty or controversy or difference that we find there. Now, perhaps first of all, we just need to read there and see what's going on. It says in verse 11, now when Peter had come to Antioch, notice there, uh, you can actually infer that the Apostle Paul had been to Jerusalem. And most likely, during that particular visit, he may have said to Peter and the other apostles, come to Antioch and visit us. And uh, in verse 11, we are told there, when Peter had come to Antioch, and uh, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. Now, I think it's also very important for us to clarify exactly what the nature of this difference is. Because we know uh, when we read in the book of Acts that God had been working in the life of the apostle Peter and he had already crossed this bridge, if you like. He knew from personal experience that the gospel was not for Jews only. The gospel was also for the Gentiles. You remember how God worked in the life of the Apostle Peter in the house of one Cornelius. God worked and called this Gentile through the ministry of the Apostle Peter. So the controversy or the difference here was not whether Gentiles could become Christian. That they were all agreed. And there is the ample evidence in the New Testament that that is in fact what Peter believed. 
But what appears to have been here is was his behavior, his conduct. And we are told here, before certain of these men came from Jerusalem, you know, I think that the head Peter went there, and then they also later found their way to Antioch. Uh, Peter was happy to have table fellowship with uh, these Gentile Christians. Uh, but uh, as soon as this circumcision party arrived, as soon as these conservatives came, it seemed like uh, the Apostle Peter lost his, uh, the strength of his conviction and, and somehow withdrew from those who were Christians but were not circumcised. So he would not be able to sit at table and eat with them because of the fear of man. And the Apostle Paul confronted him publicly and rebuked him for this kind of hypocrisy. And basically was trying to let him know that it is not enough for you and me to believe and preach the true gospel. It's even more important for us to behave or live in obedience to the gospel that we preach and believe. And I think that that is a very, very important to make in our own day. It's important for us to believe the gospel. We can begin to, you know, laugh at Peter or I don't know, whatever you might think of him. But the point that he, the Apostle Paul is making is that as members of the Church of Christ, we not only are required to believe the gospel, we know we have to, and proclaim that gospel. Equally more important, it is to live in the light of the implications of that gospel. That our conduct must not undermine what we believe and preach. Our conduct must uphold the fact that we believe that gospel and we live in the light of that particular gospel. And all the barriers that God in Christ has broken down, we must not be guilty of raising them up because of our own hypocrisy. And that is why the Apostle Paul was willing to speak in such a public manner, an apostle to an apostle, a servant of Christ to a servant of Christ, because he saw but there is danger here. The gospel is going to be undermined. We're going to start giving the impression that there is another gospel for Gentiles and another for Jews. 
and the Apostle Peter is wrong. And so Paul says, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. And the Apostle Paul did this because the gospel was at stake. He put aside the fact that he is another apostle. He could have easily thought like that. You know what? Who am I to speak to this guy? I mean, he was there from the beginning. He is the one who's been following the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't think like that. As soon as he could see that the gospel of Christ is at stake, he spoke up. He spoke out against that hypocrisy. It is so easy to be intimidated by the fear of man and to become silent even when you know the right thing to do. When you know the right thing to do. To open your mouth and speak for Christ and you remain silent. Your own conscience knows that you should not be silent. You should speak a word for your Savior. You should speak a word for the gospel. You do not want to step on other people's toes. You don't want controversy. You prefer what you call peace. The Apostle Paul was not like that. He opened his mouth and he addressed his fellow Jews candidly. He was frank with them and he reminded them there is only one gospel and that gospel has implications in the way you behave. Are you going to give in? Give in to the circumcision party? Or are you going to stand boldly for the free grace of God in the death of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, alone and through faith alone. Now, the point of this passage is to remind us do not underrate the fear of man. Whoever you are, however long you have been a Christian, don't underrate the fear of man. Proverbs says it is a snare. And you can be snared by it. Here is one who not only was an apostle, but one who had received direct revelation God was working in the gospel 
not only to call the Jews, but also to call the Gentiles. But even after these many years, the Apostle Paul, rather the Apostle Peter, not just him, Barnabas and the others as well, even after these many years, they still first the fear of man. And unfortunately, in that moment, they succumbed to it. Rather than steadfastly standing on the gospel of our Savior, they succumbed to the fear of man. Rather than looking to that gospel, standing on that gospel, they felt the pressure of displeasing their fellow Jews. Even when they knew they were wrong, they gave in to that in that moment. Now, there's probably one, one question that I would like to deal with before I come to an end, which uh, I'll be happy if it did not come to your mind. Uh, but if it did, uh, I, I have thought about it, so I want to address it. It's in Acts chapter 16, and we read the first few verses. Acts chapter 16, this is uh, uh, the story of Paul and Timothy. It says there in verse 1, Then he came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for all knew that his father was Greek. Now, obviously, I hope you can see the question there, because in, in Galatians chapter 2, the, the apostle tells us that uh, he was with Titus, and he said, no, there's no need to circumcise him. Uh, and then there in Acts chapter 16, uh, he was with Timothy, and he said he went and circumcised him. Now, there's no controversy, there's no contradiction. In Acts chapter 16, the apostle as a missionary is moving from place to place, preaching the gospel, and as you know, that he oftentimes would go into the synagogue of the Jews and converted Jews. And he did not want the question of circumcision to start hindering him to gain entrance so he could preach the gospel to them. That is why he had Timothy circumcised 
so that he would have entrance and, and uh, be able to have an opportunity to share the gospel of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. But in Acts chapter 2, rather in Galatians chapter 2, he is telling us here that as far as the gospel of our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, is concerned, there's absolutely no need for any Gentile to become a Jew in order to become a Christian. That that message of the gospel comes to the Gentiles just as they are and transforms them by the free grace of God in Jesus Christ our Savior and it is received by faith alone. In case you had the question. If you didn't have the question, I just hope that you learned. But uh, there's a, a whole host of uh, uh, controversy over that particular passage, uh, whether the Apostle Paul was contradicting himself. He was not. Uh, and if you find all those things in their own context, they all make sense. Let me come to an end by applying this passage to us. And the first thing that I want you to realize is a warning. And the warning is this. You know that it is possible for you to misrepresent the gospel if you're not careful. And that is why again and again we must come back to God's word and seek God's grace and help that we will be faithful witnesses, faithful ambassadors of the gospel of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. That God would be pleased to work in us that boldness that comes as a result of the work of the Holy Spirit. That we will not be intimidated by the countenances of fellow sinners, however close they may be to us. That we, as God's people, must aim to please Christ at all times. He is an apostle who gave in to human fear and misrepresented the gospel. It is possible it can happen to you. It is possible it can happen to me. All for grace that we might be found faithful stewards of the message that God has entrusted in our hearts. Secondly, the gospel comes to destroy barriers in this world. The gospel comes to change everything. And we must be aware of raising barriers that the gospel has in fact destroyed. 
There could be social barriers. There could be racial barriers. Remember, believing the gospel has very serious implications for your conduct, not just your profession. I'm sure you have heard that what you do is so loud, I cannot hear what you're saying. And that is true with the message of the gospel as well. If you believe in that gospel that comes from Christ, remember, it has come down to destroy barriers that we as human beings in our sin have erected. And do not raise those barriers again. Whatever your motivation, do not raise those barriers again. And then finally, we must be concerned for the truth of the gospel. You know, sometimes, especially those of us who are, call ourselves reformed, we laugh at people when they're in error. You know what most chaps believe? You know, they're Armenians. Yeah, this is what they believe. It is not a laughing matter. It is a serious matter. Because there is only one true gospel. And we must be concerned that the true gospel is what is being preached. And if we find ourselves in a place where we can clearly see that, that the gospel is not being preached, we must raise our voice. We must speak up. We must go to men and women and say, hey, look, that's not what the Bible teaches. Listen, we must do it with respect, with love, but we must do it. We must not just be quiet. The Lord Jesus Christ himself says, you know, when you light a candle, do you put it under your bed? That's not the reason why you light it. You put it in the most prominent place so that the light goes out. That's the reason why God left you and I here. That's why when you got converted, he didn't take you to heaven straight away. Because there's the work to be done here. Let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and give glory to God. That's why we are here. It is to lift a banner for Christ. That the people here in Casa Grande might know that there is a gospel. There is good news from God. That there is the free grace of God by which sinners undeserved, ill-deserved, may be saved. That is our business here. It is to let the world know about our Savior. The Apostle Paul is here in Galatians chapter 2 writing what he's writing because he was at the front line of spreading the gospel 
and he comes back to Jerusalem because there's an issue. There are people who are saying something else. And he wants to make sure that he himself, as well as the Jerusalem church, they are in one accord as far as the gospel is concerned. Are you concerned about the gospel? Do you love the gospel enough for you to raise a voice of protest when you find that there is error? When you hear that somebody is speaking something that is clearly heretical. That's your calling. That's my calling. To believe that gospel. To love that gospel. If need be, to die in the defense of the gospel of the grace of God in Jesus Christ. That is what God has called you for. Now, I am sure that after this controversy, there's no doubt in my mind that Paul and Peter, they were all agreed. And they continued to serve the Lord together to the very end of their lives. And that's what we need to be doing. That's the reason why we have brothers and sisters, is so that when I am going astray, someone will come and say, hey, sir, have you read here? And explain that to me. Because the truth of the gospel matters. It is important. God has deposited that truth to us and we must remain faithful to it at the very end of our lives. Let us pray.